Hello, everybody, and welcome to the January 6, 2021 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I am your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim Josine, and I need to do this episode a little quicker than normal, um, because at any moment, at any moment, uh, things can go down differently. People are going to end up getting shot. So I'm just going to start, I'm going to start doing what I did yesterday, which is just break down some of the news from off the top of my head, if you will, and then we'll get into a few um, prepared stories. But I'm going to take a minute to just talk about everything that has happened in just the past 24 hours. First off is the Georgia Senate runoff election. Now, as I record this, both Ralph Warnock and... Joe Ossoff, and by the way, I kept calling him Joel. I'm waiting for my, okay, my camera caught up. Okay, it was lagging on me for a second. I kept calling him Joe Ossoff, or Joel Ossoff. That's because that's what I thought his name was. It's Joe Ossoff. Um, but no, Ralph Warnock has officially beaten Kelly Loeffler. And Ossoff is almost certainly going to beat Purdue, although they haven't called it yet. The votes are likely going to be done counting by the end of the day, at which point, at which point, Democrats will officially have a majority in the Senate, and Chuck Schumer will be the majority leader for the first time since he became Senate Democrat leader in 2017. So we have a Democratic Congress and a Democratic President. Not a Democrat Supreme Court, though. We don't have that yet. Um, we'll probably have that, though, by the end of Biden's term. At least I, I can see that happening by the end of Biden's term, truth be told. I don't know for sure, but that is something that it wouldn't surprise me if we see. Although that's also been exceptionally rare, because I don't think we've had a Democrat-controlled Supreme Court in... I think it was like the 60s we last had one. Yeah, 1970 was the last year there was a Democratic majority in a Supreme Court. But anyway, then we enter today, and the president gave his speech at, well, it was supposed to be 11. He didn't actually come out until 12. He came out an hour late. And it was the same old nonsense. I actually did listen to it in hopes there'd be uh, some good memes like, in his speech a few days ago, where we got such great memes as human drop boxes, uh, Section 230 politicians, you know, just all the great stuff. But no, here he just kind of ranted for an hour about how we're going to take back the country. Don't worry. Don't worry, guys. He had thousands of supporters, not hundreds of thousands like he claimed, but certainly thousands. Um, but no, the rally was basically just almost all utter nonsense. Although, he also was in this situation, Trump was, where he had to do everything he could to make himself look like the victim is, and as many ways as possible. There was one part where he was talking about a poll that put him 17 points below Biden in Wisconsin, and he did this whole big rant about how they published that, in hopes my voters would be discouraged so they didn't show up to vote for me. And you know what? There is actually a genuine conversation to be had 
about if media coverage on polling creates a self-fulfilling prophecy in elections. That is actually a genuinely interesting discussion we can have. I'd even argue that it's done it before. You know, I was reading On Bended Knee a while ago. It's a book um, about the press during the Reagan era. And they basically treated it immediately like Walter Mondale's the Democratic nomination. This was in 1984. Like Walter Mondale's nomination. And also he's going to lose to Reagan. And you know what? Both happened. And there was serious talk in that book about, well, would it have happened if the media didn't portray it as the inevitable from the start? That is an interesting discussion. And then he turned it into, and yet even despite that, I won. By the way, notice how they can never actually give a number to how many votes they would have won with if it wasn't for this voter fraud. They can't do that. But trust me, it's real and widespread. Uh, this is utterly nonsensical. This is utterly nonsensical, and if you buy into it, you should be ashamed of yourself. Uh, but anyway, then what happened was... At 1, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Congress met, and they tried to certify the electoral votes. They, the joint session met. They certified Alabama. Then Arizona came up. I forget which senator objected. I don't think it was Cruz who was the first one to object. I think that was somebody else. But no, there was objection. And then, no, it was, it was a senator from Arizona. I'm blanking on his name right now, though. No, 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 it was Cruz. It was Cruz. My mistake. Um, he objected. His complaint was submitted in writing, and he had the backing of one congressman. And as such, the joint session split up and debated on whether on what to do at that point. And that was going to take an hour. They were going to come back. They were going to do that four or five times, and things would be certified by the end of the day. So I listened to some of the arguments, and I was listening to Ted Cruz. And by the way, this is just Ted Cruz announcing his 2024 campaign, far as I'm concerned. This was not an actual attempt to swing the election in any meaningful way. Josh Hawley directly admitted that. Did you guys see that? Josh Hawley directly said that it wasn't going to change the outcome of the election. At which point, what's the point? But no, Ted Cruz then in the Senate, they were no longer in a joint session, gave this speech about how 40% of Americans think the election was stolen. And what is Congress saying by ignoring their concerns? That they're wrong. That is what they are saying. And that is what they should be saying because that statement is wrong. We're allowed as a Congress, as a nation, to recognize Certain statements are factually correct, and certain statements are factually incorrect. And the factually incorrect statements should not be taken seriously regarding legislation. 8% of Americans think chocolate milk comes from brown cows. Do we have to seriously consider... Forming a committee, this is what Cruz encouraged, by the way, forming a committee to investigate these claims. Do we seriously have to form a committee to investigate if chocolate milk comes from brown cows? 
What are we saying to the 8% of the U.S. population that think that chocolate milk comes from brown cows? We're saying they're stupid, as we should. I don't give a rat's ass what 40% of people think. We've had over 60 court cases, several recounts, several audits in multiple states. 40% of Americans, yeah, because you keep lying to them, because you keep telling lies to them, Ted Cruz. You're the reason they believe this. If Ted Cruz were to come out tomorrow and say, I do not think the election was stolen, if Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and the other ones promoting this were to come out tomorrow and say, I don't think the election was stolen, the amount of people who think that would like half overnight. What are we saying the 40% of Americans who believe something objectively wrong, that they're objectively wrong? That's what we're saying to them, as we should. Objective reality is not up for a vote. And this is something that's been going on throughout the entire Trump era. Remember, alternative facts is how it started. Truth isn't truth. That's from Rudy Giuliani. There are tons of other ones. This idea that factual reality is completely relative, that abstract philosophy or the vague majority, by the way, 40% is not a majority. If you want to know who, what also got 40% of people behind it, George McGovern in 1972. What were we saying in 1972 to the 40% of Americans who supported George McGovern or Walter Mondale? What were you saying to the 63 million Americans when you certified the electoral votes for Donald Trump without an objection? Half the electorate, over half the electorate, went for Hillary Clinton. 81 million people went for Joe Biden. What are you saying to them, Ted Cruz? You're saying they don't matter because 40% think something. Again, I don't give a rat's ass. What 40% of people think, they can think whatever they want. Congratulations. The issue isn't that they think that. The issue is what they think is wrong and should be thought of as wrong. Some statements are wrong. Mars is a liquid. That's an incorrect statement. A two is equal or greater to potatoes. That's a stupid statement. And if I came out here and said that, it doesn't matter if 40% of people agree with me, I'm still fucking wrong. Sorry, game over. Anyway, there are all these protests going on at the time. And when I first started seeing them, my gut reaction was, oh my God, these people are so sad. Uh, then, remember, alone, they are simple sticks. But in a group, 
They form a mighty faggot. <laughs> I could not resist that. I'm sorry. But now, now they are storming the Capitol building in D.C., the Congressional Building. All of Congress had to desert to its office and is now evacuated, if I'm not mistaken. They have essentially occupied a federal building, these Trump protesters have. Again, all in the name of their emperor. And he could stop at any time he likes. He could stop at any time he likes. He's not going to, though. And the reason he's not going to is because, at the end of the day, this administration just wants to go out with a bang. He realizes this isn't going to succeed. I don't feel bad for him in the slightest. I actually do kind of feel bad for some of the people in his death cult who have occupied a federal building, committed an act of sedition, and are likely going to have to be dealt with with bullets. They are likely going to be killed. I don't like saying that. I want to be clear. I want to be clear. And I know it's easy for someone like me who doesn't like Donald Trump, who makes fun of his supporters all the time, to sit here and say, oh my God, they've occupied a federal building. And when it backfires and they all get killed, as they will, as at least a decent amount of them will, at the very least, some of them will. As a good amount of them will. For me to just go, good. But no, I don't think good. I don't want people to die. I've defended horrible people against death penalty convictions on this podcast before. But with that said, with that said, I do feel bad for some of the people who got wrapped up in this Trump cult, who Trump took advantage of. There have been very extensive articles by cult experts in the past about how Trump used the tactics of a cult leader to get his base in 2016 and keep it. And I was already saying at the time that his base is the audience from. Uh, from In the Flesh Part 2. If you haven't seen that music video, go watch that music video. That is exactly what his supporters are like. And I want to be clear, not every single one of his 70 million voters, not every single person who agrees with one or two of his policies, I mean his die-hard People, if you aren't storming the Capitol building right now, or defending people storming the Capitol building right now, there's a 95% chance you're not who I'm talking about, and that remaining 5% is getting incredibly defensive right now. Okay? But no, the Trump has created this attitude of where he goes, there can be nothing bad happening. There can be no negativity. This is why I still do think the COVID-19 pandemic was so hard on his supporters. Because they were used to sunshine and optimism. It's morning in America. Well, that's Reagan's phrase, but you know, you know what I mean. And then a deadly pandemic goes around. But 
There can't be something bad going around in, in Lord Donald Trump's America. That's just impossible. How could that happen? They couldn't believe it. And now that Trump also lost, they can't believe that. So their first guess was fraud. Their second guess is, I don't know, just storm the federal buildings. Have them all evacuate. Hold up the process, essentially. Hold it up for as long as possible. This has never happened in American history before. Nothing like this has happened. Or nothing comparable to this has ever happened. There are always protests. They never have gotten to the point where they are storming federal buildings. Where they are occupying them. This has not happened at any point in anyone alive today's lifetime. And I hope it will never happen again once this is dealt with. And this will be dealt with. Uh, Mayor Muriel Bowser in D.C. has already put on a 6 p.m. curfew, which means in a few hours, either they have to leave, although they have already been pepper sprayed and tear gassed. I think it was only tear. Yeah, they have been tear gassed. Um, and they didn't disperse still. And by the way, we all know that if this were a movement of leftists, the cops would be standing knee-deep in blood by now, occupying a federal building. Even left-wing governors like Andrew Cuomo didn't put up with VLM rioting one one-hundredth this awful. And I saw Matt Walsh immediately respond with, listen, I'm against all rioting, but the left created the standard. No, no, no. There is a massive difference between what happened during BLM in the summer and what happened today. For one, the vast, vast majority of the, of the looting that happened at BLM was by opportunists who had no interest in the movement. Okay, that's been proven time and time again. Meanwhile, these are people specifically ideologically driven. And even then, even if it were the case, I stand by there's a massive difference between minor vandalism and minor looting and storming and occupying a federal building, the United States Congress. One is a lot worse, in my opinion. Like, it's not necessarily hypocritical to think minor vandalism and looting isn't the end of the world, while a coup is. Okay? In my opinion, there's a little bit of a disparity there. But yeah, that's what you get from people like Matt Walsh. Uh, what do you expect at this point? But no, these people do not realize the actual fight they're up against. They don't. They think they can storm on in there and Trump's going to take over. When, first, Trump, by the way, is not interested in taking over. He's just interested in playing these suckers for all he can. He's interested in going out with a bang. There's no way he actually thinks he'll be president on January 20th. Um, but they were hoping they'd go in there and Congress would change their minds. But no, that's not what's happening. That is not what's going to happen. Uh, I end with a quote from a British air marshal 
named Anthony Harris. The Nazis entered this war under the rather childish delusion that they were going to bomb everyone else and nobody was going to bomb them. At Rotterdam, London, Warsaw, and half a hundred other places, they put this rather naive theory into operation. They sowed the winds, and now they are going to reap the whirlwinds. These people are on, under the rather childish delusion that they can assault, they can block ambulances, and they can occupy federal buildings, and no one's going to try and hurt them. We are currently seeing them put this rather naive theory into operation. They sowed the winds, and now they are going to reap the whirlwind. Mark my words on that. They are going to reap the whirlwind. Anyway, uh, now I have some friends of mine, by that I mean my dad, <laughs> uh, <laughs> monitoring the news to make sure that I don't miss anything big while I'm talking. In just the time since I started recording, Kevin McCarthy was like on Fox through phone, scared out of his fucking mind. Someone's been shot in the Capitol building. You know, just, there was a woman who came out covered in blood. They tried to give her oxygen. There's so much going on right now. I think it's time we remember the real victim of all of this, and that's Senator Josh Hawley. You knew, you knew when you clicked on this episode, I wasn't going to pass this up. Amazing time right now. This is from Reason. Let's read. Police dispute Holly's claims of vandalism. Senator Josh Holly, our Missouri, claims that Antifa protesters vandalized his home and terrorized his family. Police say otherwise. This was two nights ago now, I believe. Yeah, it was two nights ago. Um, there were these people outside of Josh Holly's house in, I think it was in D.C. And they were just protesting, saying they did not like the fact that he was voting to stop the certification of some electoral votes. And then he spent all of yesterday talking about how scared his family was, about how these Antifa thugs are terrorizing his family. And by the way, do not show up at Congress people's house in general, houses in general. Like, that's just in very, that's just, don't, don't bring their wife and children into this. That's, that's disgusting. I don't approve of doing that. Um, and he would be right to just call it trespassing, which it was. But he then claimed there was vandalism involved. There wasn't. He also claimed, among other things, that his family were being terrorized. Well, not under any definition of terrorism. Now, storming the Capitol building, that's terrorism. What is this? Well, I'll tell you what this is. And this is minor trespassing. 
Not much else. Let's read some more. Tonight, while I was in Missouri, Antifa scumbags. Oh, Josh Holly, you're so badass. You make my pussy so wet. <laughs> I just said that on camera. Came to our place in D.C. and threatened my wife and newborn daughter who can't travel. Retweeted Holly on Monday night. They screamed threats, vandalized, and tried to pound open our door. Now, they might have screamed threats. I don't know for sure. That's very possible. No evidence they vandalized. And no evidence they tried to pound open your door. However, a local police spokesman says they have no reports of property damage in Holly's Virginia neighborhood. Oh, okay, it was in Virginia. Wait, it was in Virginia? I thought he represented Missouri. Why the hell was he in Virginia? Why the hell is his family in Virginia? You're just allowed to do that now? Eh. <laughs> You know what? And that's a different note. Reports Brian Lowry, a correspondent for the Kansas City Star. Uh, the police spokesman told me this was such a minor event that they're not even putting out a press release, Lowry added. So I think we should really just take a minute and remember the two standards at play here. Might I remind you, these are the same people who slandered Matthew Doloff as a terrorist because he shot Lee Keltner yeah, Lee Keltner in self-defense. Rand Paul did this big thing about how he feared for his life when a bunch of people surrounded him and screamed, Say her name, Breonna Taylor. And by the way, I, I should note, the protesters were actually in the wrong there. Because Rand Paul not only said Breonna Taylor's name, but introduced a bill to ban no-knock rigs. So I would have been with Rand Paul on that if he had just said that he had. But no, it said he feared for his life because someone beside him fell. You guys remember that bullshit? This is how it always happens. This is how it always happens. If you squirm while they're burning you alive. You are a terrorist. That's how it works now. There is no other way to describe this, but not even just a normal double standard. The best way to describe this is absolutely disgusting. And anyone who takes part in this obvious double standard should be ashamed of themselves. Um, so, I'm waiting to hear Senator Holly's calls for law and order, by the way. Antifa scumbags. You gotta love that. You gotta love that. This is what he wanted. I want to make that absolutely clear. This is exactly what he knew was going to happen. Josh Hawley is the most dangerous ideologue in America today. He's up there with Ron DeSantis, in my mind. Um, because his supporters are 
easily the most militant out of anyone in the nation right now. People who back him are the most militant. This radical agenda he is trying to push on us. And again, he's just some guy who wanted into the Senate two years ago. Thought he was on top of the fucking world. Josh Hawley is a disgusting human being. I have hated this man since I first saw him in mid-2019. He was trying to repeal Section 230 for the first of 500 times. And I have hated him ever since. He is the most disgusting man in the Senate. This is the man who did this whole big song and dance as Attorney General of Missouri about how I'm anti-human trafficking. I stopped human trafficking. Actually, what he primarily did was arrested salon owners that were Asian. Some of which did have, some of which were, by the way, brothels in disguise. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. But at the same time, none of which were human trafficking rings. We talked about that on the show before. This man is an absolute psychopath. On the level America has not seen since the Nixon administration. You know, this is a man who cares about nothing but his cartoonish view of what power is. His entire existence is dedicated to getting revenge on people he thinks have wronged him, and he'll do anything to have it happen. Josh Hawley is a disgusting human being. He is. He is a disgusting man. And he should feel... He can't feel shame in the slightest because he has no moral center. Because he has no beliefs in anything other than himself. And this is far from the first time I've pointed this out. But just at a moment where you have actively caused one of the biggest acts of sedition in U.S. history... Far as I'm concerned, the Biden administration has no reason to be nice to you. The incoming Biden administration, it's going to be incoming whether you like it or not, Josh, has no reason to be nice to you. You know, when Woodrow Wilson was president, a bunch of, le a few left anarchists sent, I think it was anthrax, to the attorney general at the time, a fellow named J. Michael Palmer. Palmer responded by heavily curtailing free expression, which in my opinion is wrong for the record. But the biggest thing he did was he not only arrested socialists and left anarchists, but he then deported them to Russia, which had just seen a revolution under Vladimir Lenin. That was because of an action so minor compared to what's happening now. And my phone just went off in the background. That is nothing compared to what's happening now. And I increasingly become worried that this era is going to need some kind of J. Michael Palmer for Trump supporters.
I was hoping Biden's win would humble them a little. That's not what seems to have happened. They refuse to be humbled. They refuse to settle down. They refuse to do anything other than give in to this rampant cult. And if, again, if you squirm while they're burning you alive, you're the bad guy. You're the terrorist. Far as they as far as they know. Josh Hawley is a disgusting slug of a human being who should not be allowed to manage a 7-Eleven, assuming those 7-Eleven's even still a thing anymore, should not be allowed to manage um, a McDonald's, which I know are still a thing, let alone be Senator of the United States. I do not know how else to put it, other than this man is a complete monster. He is. He's a total monster. And if we don't do it, and if the people don't do something to stop him and stop his sycophantic fan base, we are going to live under a fascist dictatorship by the end of the 2020s. I have no doubt in my mind about that. Again, I don't like that being the case. But it seems like it is the only thing that can happen. And sadly, it increasingly looks like the thing that will. Now, this doesn't mean we give up, by the way. It doesn't mean we give up. Uh, this means that we fight every day. Like it could be our last. Incredibly vigilant. That if we cross this imaginary line, that we will get the death squad. This is absolutely awful. This is absolutely horrible. Anyway, last thing for tonight, just, just to remind you that these people are all awful. In case the past 40 minutes or however long I've been going on for hadn't proved that. This is from NBC Chicago. Illinois Congresswoman says Hitler was right on one thing. I just... Okay. Well, you know what? You know what? There could be something here. Maybe she's talking about... Um... Anti-smoking programs. Hitler had those. Was The Nazi government was actually the first government to implement anti-smoking programs. Do you guys know that? Of course, that's not what she's talking about. <laughs> um, that would actually be an interest. That is actually an interesting historical fact, though, in my opinion. So let, let's read. A newly sworn-in congresswoman from southern Illinois quoted Adolf Hitler as she spoke outside the U.S. Capitol, saying the German Nazi leader was right on one thing. Representative Mary Miller was speaking at a rally in Washington, D.C. when a Twitter user posted video Tuesday showing a portion of her speech. So this is yesterday, by the way. This is before all that we saw. 
If we win a few elections, we're still going to be losing unless we win the hearts and minds of our children. This is the battle, Miller is heard saying in the footage. Hitler was right on one thing. He said, whoever has the youth has the future. First off, Hitler didn't really know much about having the future, considering he failed after a generation. But that's besides the point. And by the way, by the way, look, let's ignore how disgusting that is. Let's ignore the fact that there are tons of other people who have said something to the same effect that she could have quoted from, and that she picked Hitler intentionally. Let's talk about how fucking stupid that is. Hitler did not win the hearts and minds of the children. He was not... You hear this all the time. Well, Hitler was elected. And that's not entirely incorrect, but that is far from correct. The National Socialist German Workers' Party which had basically arose as a right-wing alternative to the Communist Party in Germany that was seeing great success in the Weimar Republic, was elected. It was. That, that did happen. And Hitler did take control of it. And later, he was made Chancellor of Germany. But that's leaving out a lot of steps. Most notably, the National Socialist German Workers' Party did not win any elections when Hitler was um, was their leader. He was appointed chancellor. And he primarily only was able to get any amount of power because someone burnt down the Nazi headquarters. In fact, it's actually widely believed it was the Nazi party that did this in order to gain sympathy. And as such, they used that as a Trojan horse to take more and more rights from the population. Gee, um... Making up claims of vandalism to take away rights. Who, who does that remind you of? <laughs> so no, they didn't win the hearts and minds of anyone. You absolute buffoon. They took power through nothing short of brutish violence. Both through even Hitler's specific form of the Nazi party taking over, and taking over Germany. They didn't win anyone's hearts or minds. At that very best, at the very, very best, they took advantage of pre-existing sympathies Germans had towards anti-Semitism, which all of Europe had, and combined that with the talking point, and even some amount of the ideology, from the then-flourishing Communist Party of Germany. But that's not winning hearts and minds. That's combining battles that were already won, and then taking advantage of it. Hitler didn't win anything. He was an opportunist, primarily. There is this myth in the West, of Hitler and the Nazis as these brutish, strong men who were cold and calculating geniuses, nothing could really be further from the truth. 
Hitler really only rose through opportunism. Um, Himmler just kind of believed whatever Hitler told him to. Goebbels was an incompetent buffoon. Gor or Rudolf Hess was insane. Like, literally insane. He tried to blow up things with his mind and would open letters by dragging a crystal over them first to see if they were good or bad. That happened. There's a documentary on Netflix uh, called Hitler's Circle of Evil. I think it was, I think it's, I don't know if it's still on Netflix. I think it was actually produced by Netflix. And actually watch it. These were not cold, calculating geniuses. These were a group of opportunist buffoons and ideologues at the end of the day who just ended up getting way more power than opportunists, buffoons, and ideologues ever should. And this idea that Hitler was right on one thing, as if, first off, as if he believed anything, as if he wasn't primarily acting in ways to make his inner circle happy, in ways he thought Germany would approve of, as if he were... There's almost this idea implicit into it that he shipped, that he shaped Germany. And while he did dramatically shape Germany as opposed to how it was under Weimar, truth be told, he really didn't shape Germany or Europe in any significant way if you look throughout history. I've commonly said that if Hitler had existed in three or four centuries earlier, he would be a historical footnote at best. Or no, he'd be a historical footnote at worst and a hero at best. He'd be on the same level as someone like Genghis Khan. You know, you just... But no, no, no. He was a strong man who knew how to manipulate people. Hitler pulled into what the German people wanted. He was what Germany wanted to be at the end of the day. And that is the most disturbing part about his era. And the implication that he had to mastermind people. That is, by the way, a common tactic to downplay Nazism is to treat it as if, no, 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 the Nazis only believed that uh, because they were in room 101 for 17 hours a day. No, they believed that because they already believed that. They didn't believe that. Now, there, people were later forced at gunpoint to believe that. But the only reason that army got big enough to believe it um, was because so many people already agreed with it. And that's the actual disturbing part about the Nazis that is so commonly ignored. That's our show. And